Tune in to the hottest sports talk show on Never Had It So Good Sports Radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome, everyone, and never had it so good sports talk radio. It is our last conversation about, I guess, March Madness before we head into some other things with the basketball panel, but we're excited to talk about San Diego State versus UConn in the national championship game last night. Let me welcome in my co-host, Duck Riley. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Precious. How about yourself? Doing really good, and I know this is off topic, but now if I wasn't picking for the Dallas Cowboys, we would have had you broken up, Duck. So <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I I knew that would make you happy. I knew. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And I know Tisdale is probably laughing at this. So let's welcome him into the show early tonight. Hey, Tisdale, oh, how are you? Oh. No. What's up? How in the world did those balls, those ping pong balls, fall her way? I do not. I have no idea how I do not have the Philadelphia Eagles sitting in front of me. Hey, you know who? You know who? You know who got them both times? Oh, uh, Jason. Oh well, see, okay, tag on. Yeah, I could not believe Princess. Princess, you don't know. I, yeah, I'm throwing a flag. I want a flag. I was trying to get yeah, the number yesterday, Larry. You know, okay. I even used the line, help a sister out. That didn't work. Oh, my goodness. Obviously, I got in too late, and the good seats were taken, and you took yours. <laughs> hey, Princess, hey, look, after Princess right. started begging for the, my number, hey, I'm like, I said, I might be. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, pull the yeah, car, pull the car. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Hold on right there, Tim right. family. I'm so, yep, awesome. yep. so excited to have you. 5928, give us your name. Uh, good evening, it's Will Harris. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good, sir. Yeah. Doing good, sir. Um, Twelve thirty-two. Give us your name. Tony never had it so good. Sports radio, <laughs> Coleman. How y'all doing tonight? <laughs> Doug, Tony is my dude. <laughs> Man, the walking commercial. <laughs> a walking no. commercial. I, don't, no, throw, I don't like throw, throw a billboard on that brother. There you go. <laughs> hey, just throw hey, it on All there. I got to do is go go to Facebook, get a couple profile pics, you know, and get it, get the billboard. I'm done, done. It's a, it's a, it's a deal. <laughs> all right, zero nine eight six zero nine eight six. Give us your name. Oh, uh, Tommy Pritchett. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. What's up, Tommy? All right, Duck, I'm going to turn it over to you, but can you save at least two or three minutes at the end so I can get the Angel Reese-Caitlin Clark conversation, Duck? Can you save me a few minutes? Oh, yeah. And we're going to get you the the, uh, Kim Mulkey Award, too, for Best Dressed. 
okay. She could throw all that stuff away and not make her grandchild yeah. wear that junk. But okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I digress. I'm going to be quiet, Doug. I'm telling you, uh, hey, I'm just telling you, as soon as she come out on the court, they should automatically gave her a technical. Yeah. <laughs> as someone said in that thread, I can't take her serious <laughs> with what she has on. <laughs> All right, Duck, is, I, I think that Tim Moore is probably coming. Who else are we missing? Is that everybody? Yeah, uh, we're waiting on okay. Tim. Tim coming later. But I want to start okay. off with uh, – Start off with my homeboy Tommy. Let's talk about uh, San Diego State and uh, FAU. What's your thoughts of that game? Hey, I thought FAU was. I thought that was going to be an upset when it started, but you know, um, Lamont Butler's. You know that that buzzer beater. That secured that secured the victory for them. You know, after trailing. I think it was forty thirty three at the half. Yeah. You know, um, Matt Bradley, he led that second half comeback. He's it, with his scoring and assisting on twenty seven points in the second half. Uh, wow. The second half, the second half, San Diego State bench outscored uh, Florida Atlantic deserves twenty to two in the second half. So. And, you know, they still had to fight in the end, but San Diego State, I, that was a rough game for them. That was a rough game for them. They were lucky, you know, to, to win that one. Okay. Um, what about what about you, uh, Tony? You know, I got to agree with a lot of uh, what Tommy just, you know, stated there. Uh, that That was a great game all the way down to the wire anytime, you know, you got a game where teams are battling and, and, and they are pretty much uh, actually equal, equally matched. Um, it was a difference of making adjustments, man, in the first half and second half. First half, uh, FAU, they, they scored seven more points than San Diego. And then in the second half, San Diego scored eight more points than them. So for the difference of the one point. So it was just that adjustment that San Diego made in the second half that made the difference. Um, and pretty much they were, they kept running. Uh, VAU kept running, you know, high pick and rolls, you know, double staggered screens, curling guys off and, you know, running action down low. So what they decided to do as an adjustment is to pinch it, push it up a little higher because it was hard for those guards to get over the top of the screens. So they were coming off making shots. When they made that adjustment, that actually helped San Diego uh, be able to score more points. Um, and then one one other thing uh, I'm going to say is that Golding, the uh, center for uh, FAU, he went one for five from the free throw line. That was huge. Um, they didn't get to the line that many times, but you missed four foul shots. You got you got to think about that. Um, you know, for a one point difference. And of course, okay. you know, Butler's knocked out a big shot. Okay, yep. let me see, see what Larry. What you got, Larry, for is that at uh, FAU and uh, San Diego State game? 
you know, we talked about this last week, and and it held true. These were grown men playing this game. Uh, the physiques on these young men were very mature, and I think they some of these were five, six year players, and both on both squads, and they looked it. Um, I thought, you know, from earlier in the in the tournament, and it held true again. You know, the, uh, for, for, for FAU, Martin could light it up. He looks like a pro already. Like, he could put the ball in. There were several players uh, in the final four that could put the ball in, like I said, to fill the bucket up, and he was absolutely one of them. Um, just to Tony's point, you can't miss free throws. And, they, you know, they were missing free throws. Uh, that I don't even know what they were shooting, but they were well below season average, and, and it cost them. If you played this game ten times, this is probably five five. Um, I thought it was very well uh, played game, well matched. Uh, um, everybody played well. Nobody lost this game, if, uh, unless you're going to talk about free throws. Uh, but other than that, I think this game was one. It was one on runs, which we have at every level. It reminded me of a, a professional game. Uh, there was no knockout punch. Down 15, technicals, they come back, and I, when they came back, I said, man, oh, my goodness, they do really have a, a real shot at it. And Bradley, again, another, you know, bucket getter. He could put it in at any point. Um, everybody on that team has a role and played the, their roles extremely well. Um, when it comes down to one shot, a buzzer beater, and, you know, we're probably talking top five of all time. Uh, to, to get into the to the finals. Um, so in order to, to, to do that, in order to move on, that was an extremely, extremely well-played, easy game to watch. So, um, I, I, and I think last week, I'm not even sure who I picked. Uh, I thought this was a toss-up from, from, from Jump Street. Um, two very physical teams. Now, when they moved on to the next level, uh, there was different predictions. But amongst themselves, two very physical, older teams, uh, and, and it held true. Great game. Okay, uh, Will, the San Diego State game. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty evenly uh, matched game for the most part. Um, I thought FAU took control of it, outplayed San Diego State for most of the game, but I think there was like a stretch in the second half where uh, San Diego State just grabbed nine offensive rebounds and um, I think it was on free throw. Well, there was missed free throws. They were getting those offensive rebounds, and San Diego State didn't really shoot that well. I mean, they missed a lot of free throws, but those second and third chance opportunities they were getting on the offensive glass kind of helped them stage that comeback late in the game. I just thought the dagger at the end was just a heartbreaker for FAU. They played hard, had a good run, and thought they really played well enough to win, except that late run San Diego State was able to make by crashing the glass. Okay, what, what about the since you're right there, you know, in Miami? Let's talk about the feeling down there in Miami about them versus UConn. Yeah, I think there's two things uh, for this game. One, I just think UConn was just a more complete team. I mean, offensively, defensively, um, rebounding, but Miami didn't do much to help themselves either. I mean, twelve missed layups. I think they had that game, just very uncharacteristic of how they've been playing all year. I think when you're missing those easy shots, it's just hard to keep up with a team like UConn. You just can't have those kind of mistakes. So I think um, it's unfortunate because I thought they had a strong showing all tournament, but just those self-inflicted mistakes, missing easy shots, just 
they weren't able to hang in there and let UConn pull away. Okay, uh, Tommy, UConn, Miami. Hey, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I heard uh, it was either Will or Larry talking about Miami and how good they were. So that brought, you know, I hadn't paid that much attention to Miami. But when I saw them play, I saw what Will and Larry was talking about. They were tough, man. So I expected a little bit more from them in this game. But, you know, UConn came out, man, was the best team on the court from the beginning to the end. Uh, They led nine, I think it was 9-0 at the beginning. They never trailed after that. Uh, Miami guard, I think his name is Majel Pat. He busted a shoe and was on the bench for a while, but even if he'd had both shoes, I don't know if if it would if the outcome would have been any, any different. UConn, uh, UConn came out to play, and to be honest, I hadn't really paid that much attention to UConn until then. Uh, but after watching them. <clears throat> That's when I, I changed my thought of who I figured would win the tournament when I saw them play Miami. Okay. Larry. Did we lose, Larry? Are you on mute, Okay, Larry? you guys there? Yep. Okay. No, I'm there. They just let me back in. Yeah, the call dropped. Um Man, I've been following them all year, uh, and boy, are they athletic. Uh, but more to the point, they were not only athletic, they, they knew how to play basketball, which was rare. A lot of times you get a bunch of athletic teams, and I thought that they had their, you know, that, that very fine chemistry. Um, I think Will made, it, made the point. I'm not sure he did. You know, they missed so many layups, and I think their field goal percentage was one of the lowest that they had all year. Um, and I don't think you can do that against Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut plays like a, a, a you know, a, a program, a machine. And when you make mistakes, uh, they make you pay. Um, again, another really, really well-played game. But you can't give those type of opportunities away to a UConn um, or, or any team in the Final Four where you're missing field goals, you know, layups, you know, point-blank layups. Um, and, and expect to win. They came through on free throws, but unfortunately, they gave away too much. Uh, I expect them to do uh, be. I expect them next year to be right back there. Though. Great game. Okay, uh, Tim. Let's, Tim, let's back up and talk a little bit about that FAU and San Diego State game, and then bring me uh, bring me around to the Miami and UConn. Oh man, that that was. Uh... The Miami and San Diego State, uh, they were, they battled. Um, and I mean, my, uh, San Diego State and, uh, and um, FAU, I mean, uh, they battled. Uh, they they went at it, and I thought FAU actually looked like they were the better team the whole game up until, you know, uh, San Diego made that run at the end and took the lead at the buzzer. Uh, but I, I had been impressed with San Diego State uh, in the earlier round when they beat Alabama. So I thought uh, you know, going into the championship game, they had enough uh, legitimate, strong, uh, three, four-year senior type guys that, that had experience that they would be able to play with uh, UConn. I was, oof, I was surprised. 
Now with uh, Miami, I, I as I said last week, I thought they were a, a very good basketball team, but they had a center that was six seven, and I I, I kind of felt like against UConn that they would have some problems with a six seven center, and they did. Uh, but I I was stunned at how good UConn was last night. Just shocked. That just all right blew me. Tim, Tim, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get to UConn in the championship. We gotta. I want to see what what happened to Miami and, and FAU. Okay. Okay. You you got anything else about Miami? You just saying that? No, that's that's all I got. I just thought they I, I thought they didn't match up well with UConn because their center was just six seven. He was a great ball player, but he was just six seven, and uh, UConn was just too large for him. Okay, uh, Tony, uh, Connecticut and uh, Miami, Miami, and, and man, I, I can sum this up real quick. They uh, the game was won in the first half, point blank. Uh, UConn outscored them thirty-seven to twenty-four. Second half, they both scored five points in the second half. So what is that? Thirteen point, you know, victory. So everything was won in the first half by UConn. Um, Miami didn't get the production from their uh, from their leaders. Wong did not play a great first half. He ended up, you know, with 15 points for the game. Pack had eight. And uh, uh, or- Ormier had eight production they needed in order to counter what UConn was doing. UConn was, you know, a balanced, you know, force that seems to be always that way in their final stat sheets. Uh, everyone seems to be really bad. They really spread the wealth. The uh, the assists uh, per team, they always out-assist everybody. So you know the ball is being moved around. Everyone's sharing the wealth. Everyone can score in bunches. And, uh, you, you know, you, there's nobody you can just disregard when it comes to UConn. So pretty much they won the game in the first half. That's my summation. Okay, uh, Tony, let's stay with you. Yeah. And like Tim was getting ready to get into, uh, let's talk about the championship game. Okay. Man, what a game. What a game that was. Um, you know, San Diego came out. You know, they were hot from the beginning. They felt good. Things going a little bit. You know, UConn, you know, they started just a little tad slower than they did. And, of course, they got their engine rolling and moving. And once they got their engine rolling and moving, man, it was like, I mean, it's just it's just too many weapons. There too, it's too many weapons you kind of have. Their discipline and, you know, their, their determination, man, to win that game. Uh, everything was just firing on all cylinders, man. And uh, they just could not match that. And that matched that um, um, UConn man, you know, inside and out. Sunoco, uh, I mean, just send them to just send them to the gas station and fill them up, man. Sunoco, some Sunoco <laughs> gas. <laughs> you just can't stop that kid. And uh, you know, and then with his support, supporting cast with Hawkins and Newton and Jackson, man, Junior. I mean, these guys just phenomenal, man. You know, then he got some bigs. You know, they can come in. They got some guys that come off the bench, too. So they just got too much, man. Um, there's a lot I can say about UConn, but I'll okay. just stop right there. <laughs> okay. I want to bring Tim back in. Okay, you got Cousins winning the 
the national championship. You got Reese from the women, and you got Hawkins from UConn. Your thoughts, Phil? Yeah, that was that was pretty impressive. Uh, I'm sort of like Princess. I I wasn't really a big fan of uh, of Reese, uh, you know, uh, throughout the the year, but I did uh, appreciate what she said at the end of the game uh, about the double standard that existed in, with regard to what she did and what the uh, what the other lady did. Uh, Hawkins is just uh, he, I think he was UConn's best player, uh, tremendous ball player, steady. Uh, doesn't make mistakes, makes big plays at big times during the ball game. Um, that was pretty impressive. And to find out that they were cousins, that, that's pretty cool. Okay, uh, Will, UConn and uh, San Diego State championship game. Yeah, I just, I just saw how dominant UConn's been uh, all tournament. I mean, the game was off to a good start. I thought we may get a, a close one out of it, uh, San Diego State. Had some runs, tried to close the gap, but UConn just kept responding and responding over and over again. I mean, I think San Diego State didn't shoot well uh, last night. A lot of that was credit to UConn's uh, defense. I mean, when you're shooting uh, 32% from the floor, though, it's just not going to beat a team like uh, Connecticut. So I think UConn all tournaments has been the most complete team offensive, offense and defensive side. And I mean, they rebound well, they problems, and I think it's uh, clearly the best team. Uh, in the country this year. Okay. Uh one one to come to Tommy. Tommy, do you think uh FAU took a lot out of San Diego State? No. I don't think so. Um you know, guys, these guys are young. You know, they they can go back to back. They can go back to back in games. You can't just they just dominated on the on the defense again from the beginning to the end. Um, their their length bothered San Diego State throughout the ball game, and San Diego State didn't have an answer for Newton, Sonago. He the one killed them off on the inside. Hawkins and and that seven foot two uh, freshman center. What is it, Klingon? All those, all those guys play well inside for uh, for UConn. UConn was just too physical, and their length really bothered San Diego State. So um, I think the length had a big. Uh, I think their length had a uh, was the big difference in that ball game. Okay, Larry, did you drop again, Larry? <laughs> there you go. You got me. I didn't want you to hear my wife said. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm bad. Oh, go um, ahead. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. I, I'm in the basement. Um, I was literally watching the Caitlin interview. Uh, Jordan Hawkins. Um, I, I know I spoke to we, Tim and I were on the thread and I talked about this. He reminded me of um, CJ McCollum, and I think they spoke about this uh, yeah. uh, during the game that he was working with Rip Hamilton and watching him play and the rest of that team play, there was a freedom about them in the way that they moved and they took their shots. Uh, he would come off of a screen or be on, right on top of a screen and that was his shot. And if that was his shot, he took it. 
um, they put, and again, that's how, you know, when I refer to a system, that's, that's kind of what I'm referring to. Um, everybody, you know, and then I think somebody just mentioned, you know, pull up to Sunoco. And he was, you know, that inside out, down low. He was dominating down low. And I want to yeah. say, um, I think Mensa, there was one play maybe in the last five, six minutes where Mensa bumped into him trying to move him out the way, and he just bumped off of him. And oh, yeah. he was doing that the entire game. Uh, that defense was smothering. They played well together. They switched. They rotated. Um the difference, and I know you you can't miss it, the difference that I saw that we've been watching with Connecticut this entire time is Connecticut literally plays with a freedom um, that I haven't seen in other teams to pull up with and, and pull up with the right shot, an old Villanova team. You're not going to take a wrong shot. You're going to take the right shot. And, and I thought that they did that along with that D. Uh, a, a really good game. You, you, but you can't make mistakes against them, and I just didn't think that, that uh, San Diego State had enough firepower. Okay. No, I want I want to stay right with you because I want to know who would be in the the final four for twenty four. Oh, let's let's uh, man, I don't know how many people are coming back from UConn. I I, I know <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure. I, if Hawkins is coming out, if Hawkins is coming back, you know, I like them. Um, I'm going to start with, with UConn. They just won it. I like them. Duke always, as much as I hate Duke, Duke will always be there. Um, I love Marquette. I want to put Marquette up there. Um, they remind me, Marquette reminds me of Connecticut, where, you know, I, I don't know if anybody got a chance to see this during an interview. And, and Hurley said early, he said, you better get us right now. He said, you better get us right now because we're getting really, really good. And that may have been a year or so ago. And that's how I see Marquette. Um, and then uh, I'm going to go UCLA. Uh, so UConn, Duke, Marquette, and UCLA is who I have in my final four next year. Okay. All right, Tony, who you got for us? Who, who's in your final four next year? Man, that that is a really really great question. There's so many moving parts we got to really consider and think about. You know who's going to enter the draft. Um, you probably already know there's going to be a a major shift in conferences. So teams are leaving and coming and going to all these different conferences come next season. So that's going to play a, a big factor in who's able to win a conference championship to get a bid. And also, you know, uh, pick up those quad one points. But I'm going. I'm going to say right now, as one of them to begin to begin my list is uh, FAU. They're they're going to return every single person back oh, wow. on the rock next year. Everybody comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. no, no one, no wow. one is expected to enter the draft, so they'll be back. Um, I got to go with Kentucky. Because, you know, although they have a couple of guys that, well, one guy, you know, is going to enter into the draft. They got a guy, you know, into the portal. But you got the number one recruiting class in the nation coming in, you know, in D.J. Wagner, uh, the big seven-footer Bradshaw, Edwards from Motep in Philadelphia, and a few other, you know, guys they got coming 
coming in. Also, they got some returning guys, Toppin and a couple of those uh, senior, um, you know, veteran players to play along with those guys. So they're going to be good, man. They're going to be really good, Kentucky. And, um, you know, you got to take a look at Duke because they were a young group that was just starting to come on fire. Uh, you you, you got to give them, um, you know, a, a hard look and potentially, you know, being able to navigate them, their, their way back um, down there, down that road as well. I like UConn. You know, of course, you know, Sunoco, Hawkins, you know, those guys have option of coming out. You know, but even if they do come out, we still got a lot of bigs that were sitting on the bench, six nine, seven footers, and then you you know he has the capability of bringing some guys in, especially after winning that and seeing how he uh, how he coaches, you know how things were so smooth and players just love uh, you know Danny Hurley, uh, the guy he reminded me of his father man the way he you know, runs the offense and finds, a, you know, the best way to get the potential out of his players, man. It's just it's phenomenal. Action on one side, big, you know, on the other side. You know, you, you, your head is on a swivel on the defense. I'm trying to figure it out. But I'm going to say UConn, Kentucky, Duke, and, and uh, FAU. Okay. Uh, Will, who's going who's to be your top four in 24? Yeah, I'll say uh, UConn's going to be back. Uh, let's go with uh, Duke. Um, FAU, I mean, they only lost, what, two regular season games this year. I thought they were a bit underseeded. Maybe they struggle more with a um, higher seed. They can't sneak up on teams like they did this year. But I think they'll uh, return. I think they have a good team. And then I'll say, uh, I'll say Arizona will bounce back and uh, get back in there next year. Okay. Uh, Tommy, what about you, Tommy? You know, with the, with the draft and this transfer portal, who knows? But I'm a, I'll give you my thought. <laughs> but hey, it's a, it's a lot going to be going on. But UConn is my number. You know, number one, I got is UConn. They lose a newbie to graduation, but if the others stick around along with their income <clears throat> incoming class, they should back they should be back in the final four. Plus, you know, Hurley, I think he's from New Jersey. And he right. he will be able to he will be able to recruit in the New Jersey, New York area. So he'll have some ball players coming in also. So I got UConn. <clears throat> I picked Duke. They got Parker coming back, Mitchell Philip uh, Prosky, they're going to return. And, you know, Duke has the number two recruit class coming in next year. So they should be better. I've got UCLA. You know, even though that Coach Cronin, he hasn't been a presence in the transfer portal. They got Bailey coming back. He had a good year this year. Jalen Clark was uh he was hurt most of the year. And the center, Bona was hurt. So they have a strong base coming back. And my number four is Kansas. They're active in the portal. And mm-hmm. they returned uh guards uh 
the John Harris. They're gonna they're gonna move uh, Adams out of the center spot next year, and then they got their center, Judith, coming back. They recruited uh, the number three guard, El Marco mm-hmm. Jackson, and he should log plenty of playing time besides hers. So those are my four. Okay, uh, Tim, four and 24. Four and 24. I'm not, I'm not following you there. Oh, four and 24. Okay, I got you. I got you. I'm a little slow tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, a couple of things I, I I I picked up from this tournament is that just because you got the top recruiting class with a bunch of McDonald's All Americans coming in doesn't mean that you're going to last through this tournament. Because um, the teams that made it this year had upperclassmen, they're guys that had played together for four or five years, or, or teams that picked up a guy in the transfer portal here and there. So I think the, tra- the the days where the traditional powers dominate college basketball may be gone. Um, I think if UConn only loses Newton, they should be they should be right in the swim of things. I mean, I, I, when I found out they lost eight games, I was like, how and who beat them? <laughs> you know, that was crazy. They they were really good. And um, Houston, I think. Uh, uh, Kelvin Sampson usually has been putting together teams down there for the last few years. I think they'll be back in the mix. Um, I didn't know that FAU has everybody coming back until just a minute ago. So, wow. you know, I got to I gotta consider them to be in the mix. You, you know, they got their big seven-footer plus the rest of those athletes around. Um, I got to put them in the mix. And uh, then, you know, I'm keeping my eye on two other teams, you know, um, Kansas and Vandy. Uh, Stackhouse is doing something down at Vandy, and those kids don't leave early and go to the pros. So I'm going to kind of keep my eyes on what's going on down in Nashville. Okay, uh, Tim, I'm going to stay right with you. We're going to go over to the pro, the pro league, hey, and we're going to talk hey Dave, about. Hey Dave, real quick, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know Tim said something, and I know we talked about this earlier in the year. You know, he just mentioned you know players staying a long time. I don't know if you guys knew, but out of both of those squads that just played, neither one of those teams had a five-star recruit. So to Tim's point and everybody's point is saying, there was not one five-star recruit on either one of those squads. So I I think you're on to something about uh, kids staying longer. Okay. Yeah, they they handle that tournament pressure better. Yeah. Okay, Tim. What teams yes, would be part? Of, what teams would be part of the play-in game? Ooh, man, that's a uh, couple of weeks ago. I might have said the Dallas Mavericks, but I don't even think they're gonna make the play-in. Uh, <laughs> they they look bad. Oh wow. Um, and the Lakers seem like they've pulled out of that. I, I'm not sure, Duck, who 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 might be in that. You know, in that lower tier. Uh, Sacramento's not going to be there. Um, wow. All right, Maybe well, Atlanta we'll Hawks? Look, they're possible. I'll tell you what, Tim. We'll go to the experts first and then come okay. back to you. All right, okay. Tony Coleman. All right, Tony Coleman, talk to us. <laughs> and, 
as of today, based on what I was, you know, seeing in the standings, you got um, on the West Coast, you got at the seven, seven and eight spots, you got the Lakers and the, and the Pelicans. And then at nine and ten spots, Minnesota and OKC. Uh, over on the East, you have uh, at the seven and eight spot, Miami and Atlanta. And uh, the nine and ten spot, Toronto and Chicago. You know um, how the play-in is, is pretty much conducted. Um, you know, that that loser of the 7-8 plays the winner of the 9-10. And then they all try, they try to get that eighth spot. And uh, and then it's on. So they'll begin that April 11th, conclude on the 14th, and then April 15th is on. It's on right there. And we'll see, we'll see okay. how everything plays. Okay. Uh, jumping to you, Larry, uh, from what Tony just uh, told us, who you like to come out of the West for the seventh and eighth, and who you like to come wow. out of the East for the seventh and eighth? Yeah. And starting start start with the East. Uh, I'm sorry, the West. You mentioned, you know, they're, they're slotted right now with L.A. and New Orleans. Um, I'm not sure, and then maybe somebody could help me. I'm not sure if LeBron is, is if LeBron is back and playing. I thought he did play a game. Um, He's back. So if he's he, okay, good. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I look at the New Orleans Pelicans, and they've been playing really well, though. Um, But I think that uh, that I just think that 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 veteran feel from the Lakers is going to pull it out. I got seven winning that one, uh, um, the Lakers winning that one. And when I go up, uh, I like Miami over Atlanta. Um, Atlanta's uh, with their backcourt, which I think is one of the best backcourts in a few years, maybe even next year. But I like uh, what Miami does with their veterans, and, you know, buckets will just get you buckets at any point. So, you know, the matchup, I got Miami coming out of the seventh, uh, coming out of that spot, and uh, L.A. coming out of that spot. And I didn't move up to 9-10 yet. You just asked for the first. All right, move up, move up, Larry. I'm going to let you move up. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Okay. And I like Minnesota. I, I like the way they're playing, so I got Minnesota. So L.A., Minnesota. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to pick an upset here. I'm going with Minnesota to be uh, – this is their year up and coming. I think they've been playing fairly well, a little more consistent probably than L.A., maybe not as talented. And then Chicago, Toronto, man, that is such a tough one. Um, but I like Levine, so I'm, I'm going to go uh, with Chicago. And then Chicago, Miami, I got – man, I got Miami uh, beating Chicago. So they, they right, will Larry. represent. Uh, yeah. Now, the only problem is you you got the seventh seed, which would have would been the Lakers, but the Lakers would have beat New Orleans, so New Orleans would have played probably the Timberwolves. So we, we then we're looking for the eighth seed, so we can start at the matchups. So say this again. So the so the Pelicans and the Lakers. If the Lakers win that. They, they the do Lakers, not play. Do they play? The Lakers would be the seventh seed. Now we need the eighth seed. So you got you got saying. nine and ten. You got nine and uh, nine and ten playing each other. So they would have to play. And correct me if I'm wrong, Tony. Wouldn't they have to play uh, the loser of the New Orleans and the Lakers? Right. Right. Yep. They would have to play uh-huh. the loser of that. And then, of course, you know, the eighth seed is going to play the number one seed. It's like one and eight, two and 
and seven and three and six. Three and, and four six and four and five. Right. Okay, let me, right. let me, let me, yeah, I'm going to just watch y'all. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm going to leave you for a second, Larry, and jump over to Will. Right. Your thoughts, Will. You, 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 you know, it's the Lakers, New Orleans, Minnesota, OKC on the west side. So who gets the seven and eight spot? The west side, I'll go with, uh, I think the Lakers, they've been streaking a little bit lately. I think they'll, I'll give them one spot. And I think if it stays the same, uh, maybe Minnesota, I think, I think they have a good team. They're kind of slumping lately, though, but I think they can, I think they can beat uh, the Pelicans. On the east, I'll probably go with, uh, Miami Heat, I think they usually play better during the postseason. They had some ups and downs all year, but their experience battle-tested in the playoffs. And I'll go with uh, Atlanta Hawks as well in the Okay. Uh, Tim, same thing. Now that yeah, you know who's East. in. <laughs> yeah, now in the East, uh, I think the Hawks. I think uh, the Heat have really been struggling this year. They've had a bad year. And they're not – they don't have a lot of momentum right now. So I, I would say the Hawks would probably get them. And the Raptors are really playing good basketball now. So I think they'll get the Bulls uh, in the East. Uh, in the West, I'm thinking uh, – All right, Tim. Tim, but Miami has to play the winner of of the the the, the Bulls and whoever they're playing. And the Raptors. Raptors. And the Raptors. Yep. Uh, Miami's gone. I think the Raptors. I think the Raptors will beat. I think the Hawks will beat them, and then and then the Raptors will beat them. Um, so awesome. I think they're they're done. Um, in the West, I think the Lakers have got a shot of maybe maybe overtaking the Warriors or the Clippers before this thing's over. They may not even be in the play in. So I think the Pelicans probably will, and um, and when they're healthy, if Zion's back, they've got a shot. Uh, they can beat anybody in the league when he's healthy. Um, and then the Timberwolves and the Thunder, I think the Timberwolves will get there. Um, and uh, they probably play the, the loser of, of whoever whoever's in, losing the Pelicans again. Because I think the Pelicans will probably win that, whoever they play um, coming out of the West. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your thoughts? Okay. In the East, uh, <clears throat> in the East, I got uh, – the number seven versus number eight, I got Miami winning over the Hawks. And the number nine versus uh, the number 10 in the East, I picked the Bulls to beat the Raptors. As far as the West, seven versus eight, I got my Lakers beating the Pelicans. And the West nine versus the ten. I got the Timberwolves uh, beating the Thunder. <clears throat> but you know what? I'm gonna be like Larry and sit to the side and listen because <laughs> I don't know how far. I don't know where to go after this man with this playing thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm rest on the side with Larry and listen. <laughs> Join me. <laughs> All right. I I would stay with you though, Tommy, because I want to know who is the best center to play in the NBA. No doubt, Will Chamberlain was the best center to ever play in the NBA. Uh, 
you know, I, I think, you know, during Wilt's career, he averaged 30 points a game, 22 rebounds. Well, say 23, is that 22.9, so you can say 23, and four assists a game. So my number one center was Wilt Chamber. My favorite was Kareem. But then again, you got Russell there and you got Shaq. Over, you know, all, all, all four of these were good centers, but my number one, I'm going with Chamber. Okay. Larry. Man, I can't best even believe I'm hearing say best this. Best in the yeah. NBA. You know, I have this conversation, you know, with my son all the time, and then I just, I'm looking at stats here. I, I, to me, I've always thought Wilt Chamberlain uh, to be, you know, the most dominant uh, big man who's ever played. And then I start looking at numbers. And then if I look at the numbers, it's absolutely Kareem. So I'm going to split hairs and go with the most dominant, best, uh, revolutionized that position, and I'm going to go with Wilt. So I'm going to stick to, 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 to what I've always believed. I thought Wilt was the best. And if he plays at any other time than the, you know, Red Arback, you know, public relations machine, he goes down in history is, is the best by far, I believe. Um, but going up against Bill Russell, and I think Bill said that he was uh, the, the best, at least that he'd ever played in things. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I'm going to stick with him. I thought he was the most dominant, revolutionized the game. I understand there, the players were not quite the same. Um, but there was something that I remembered from years ago. There was a ref who was still in the league that refereed Wilt and the new players, and he said there was still nobody even close to as strong as Wilt was. So him throwing those players off, at, you know, back in the 60s and 50s uh, was really legit. So, I, yeah, I, he is he is my favorite. All right. Uh, Tim. I'd have to agree with Larry on that. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, I got hit with this question a couple times. I'm a big Kareem fan. I'm a huge Kareem fan, but um, I think, you know, all time, it's Wilt. I mean, you look at the record books and, you know, like there's this second set of record books and he's got all of them. And if you look at some some film of his, uh, he was terribly dominant, had crazy numbers. And, uh, you know, I've heard younger guys who don't want to give these older guys their credit um, talk about, you know, Wilt playing against short guys, if you look back against the guys he played, he played against a bunch of 6'10 and 7-foot guys. Um, he, he wasn't playing against guys that were 6'8 only. He played against Wes Unsell, of course. He played against Willis Reed and a few of those guys who were, you know, 6'7, 6'9. Um, but he played against a bunch of guys that were, that were you know, 6'10, 6'11, and 7 feet tall. The guy he scored 100 points on was, was 6'11. Um, so I'd have to say, well, Okay, yeah, you still you you could have threw Walt Bellamy in there and Nate Thurman, the whole crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Nate was six eleven. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, Will, the young virgin. Let's let's hear what you got, Will. What you got for us? Yeah, I, I guess with uh, when you look on paper on accomplishments, you look at Wilt's numbers. It's hard to match that. I think for what I've been alive though, I would have to go with between uh, Shaq and Akeem Olajuwon. Back in the uh, 90s, I think uh, Elijah Wines underrated. I think we were two back-to-back championships. Um, he won one of the best seasons. He carried his team with no all-stars. 
I think he deserves consideration as well. But I think I'll go with uh, Wilt, number one, just off his uh, accomplishments, numbers, with uh, Kareem getting the honorable mention as well. Okay. All right, Tony, what you got? Dave, I, I got a, a threefold answer because <laughs> I, I find uh, these these three guys, man, to have different categories that make them special. And I would be uh, remiss if I would leave either one of them out or put either one ahead of the other. They are the threefold for me, uh, Wilt, Kareem, and Russell. I will, I'll tell you why. Wilt, he was just a game changer. He was a physical specimen, superior athlete, and just dominant. IQ off of the chart. This guy had a mental toughness, man, that was just, you know, unprecedented. Uh, same thing with Bill Russell. You know, I put him on Mount Rushmore, the dominance, the 11 championship rings, IQ off the chart, humanitarian. His legacy, man, is bigger than basketball. He he was a man with a standard, man, that didn't waver. And then you got to think about the time period when these guys were coming through, the color barrier, the racism, yeah. all the stuff they had to endure to build and hang in there and make a reputation, man, and build that lead and withstand all the pressures outside of that. That takes a very special person. So along with their stats, their numbers, but as men, I mean, as men, they were just tough as nails, tough as they come. I know it was only, what, maybe about 12 teams during that time, but they were as tough as they come, and everything was built on their shoulders. Then here comes Lou Alcinder, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, even out of high school out of the city of New York, always a winner, always, you know, a fundamental, intelligent, uh, you know, basketball player and young man. And then he goes to UCLA. Don Whitten, you already know the story about that, all the championships. And then he goes into the NBA. He plays 20 years in the NBA. He's got six rings. He was the all-time leading scorer until just recently, you know, when LeBron took that over. But, you know, MVP, I mean, every kind of stat you can imagine, he got it. And to be a consistent pillar and winner throughout his entire career, I'd be remiss not to put him in that in that special group of centers, man. Those three, I, I, I couldn't give one over the other, man. They were just tremendous to me. That's my take. Okay. And we appreciate that. Uh, guys, we're going to finish up with uh, Princess and let Princess come in and talk about a little girl power, but uh, next week we're going to do more NBA and a little bit of uh, get ready for our draft for college stuff, uh, basketball, you know, who who's going in, who you think is leaving. So we'll, we'll touch up on that same time next week. But in the meantime, Princess, you got it. Gentlemen, um, thank hey, Princess, you. Yes. Real quick, I'm sorry. The most important number, though, we I think we forgot for – for Wilt Chamberlain was 50,000. I just wanted to make sure we put that out there. <laughs> really? That, really? Uh, it's an important number. For who? For I, thought it was for Wilt. I thought it was 100,000. Uh, okay, it grows. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to be like Wilt? Like, no, I didn't say that. Go, go get your wife. Get me in trouble. Phone. Go, go I'm in the basement already, damn it. <laughs> um, okay, 
I really, we only have about two and a half minutes, and I'm going to start with you, Tim, just quickly, because you, I, I think you've heard me more than most uh, and how I've warmed up to Angel Reese, but I have not been a fan. I'm not a trash talker like that. But your thoughts as we've seen this move on and how ESPN continues to say Caitlin Clark, you know, comes up short in the national championship game. Um, your, your thoughts about that dynamics, I'm going to have to give you about 20, 30 seconds here. Well, I'll keep this short. I, 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 I think we all know what the problem is with that. It's a clear double standard because they did the exact same thing. Um, and people say, well, Caitlin Clark didn't do it in, in Reese's face, but she did it on national television and she meant for people to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Larry Tisdale, quickly, your thoughts. Caitlin Clark dynamic here with Angel Reese. This was about color. This is about uh, America not being able to to swallow that. The great thing is, and I give her credit, Caitlin Reese was on television today, said we all talk trash. She should not be vilified for that. And she says, and we're not the only two players that do it. So, you know, this was not about the players. This was about race and everybody else taking over for it because the players didn't yeah. have an issue with it. Yeah. Will Harris, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I just think it's a shame that the women's tournament got 9.9 million viewers. Mm-hmm. It was extremely entertaining. And that this is kind of the story that overshadows how good of a tournament and game that was. I just think we have still have a long way to go with, you know, treating uh, race relations and treating people the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy Pritchett, no, I'm going to leave Tommy for the last. Tony Coleman, I, I want to ask you the same thing. Um, uh, gosh, one of the ESPN guys said that, that Angel Reese was an effing idiot. And, I mean, he was just that ugly with it. Your thoughts, quickly, 30 seconds there. So, uh, you know, real quick, that guy, he didn't know what he was talking about. He was basing something on uh, one one clip and didn't know the whole story. But Angel Reese, I love her. You know, I watched her come through St. Francis out of Baltimore. That girl was a phenomenal player. Uh, uh, Caitlin Clark, a phenomenal talent. It has nothing to do with the players, like Larry said. It's all about the other people, you know what I mean, and, you know, just going back yeah. and forth with the you know, the racial thing. But everyone talks trash, and, like, it's no big deal. Like, you know, I heard Caitlin, like Larry said, interview and just said, I'm a fan of, of Angel Reese, you know what I mean? We all talk trash. Everybody does it, and just that's just a part of the game. And uh, yeah. but you know, now that they got the cameras on everybody, you know, people are just taking things out of context and just you know, just people don't really understand what's happening out there on the floor. And uh, but the yeah. players are fine. But I know one yeah. thing. I'll just say the last thing I say. I know the University of Maryland coach is pretty sick right now because that's right. <laughs> that's Angel, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna have to cut you off game. right there and. Yeah, I'm gonna have to cut you off and get Tommy Pritchett in here. And Tommy, yeah. um, Tony mm-hmm. said we talk trash. I don't. Duck does, but I, I've never talked trash. <laughs> Tommy Pritchett, go ahead. This floor, <laughs> you know what? I didn't see anything wrong with it. You know, when you're out there on the court, you do talk trash. You do things to other players, and when they do it back to you, why would you have something to say about it? You did it to them. Um, I didn't see anything anything wrong with it, but you know people make a little bit out of it. But I didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, I, I have more problem with Angel Reese's um, eyelashes more now than I do her demeanor and her trash talking. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bobby, you gotta 
problem with that. Gentlemen, thank you. Tommy Pritchard, Tony Coleman, Larry Tisdale, Will Harris, I appreciate you all taking time out. Duck Riley, Tim Moore, the trash talker, Duck Riley. Thank you all. (laughs) Be good family. (laughs) Good night. All right. Have a good night, everybody. All right. All right.